Well, good morning. So today we're going to, uh, I was thinking we've been doing this for about a month now. We had uh, Miles do an overview kind of, of of Romans 6, a little bit, 5 and 6. And then we had the last three weeks we've been going through these verses. But I thought, um, you know, we're, we're working toward uh, Romans 6.11, which we'll, I'm going to cover next week. But I thought it would be appropriate that we um, review, and I call this section our union with Christ. And I, I'm going to start in verse 2. Verse 1 is kind of, um, the, you know, um, his uh, his gut feeling. And then he gets into 2, he starts laying out these wonderful truths. And on your handout, I put down, to my count, there are 18 statements about what we have in Christ. Or the statement is about what Christ has done for us. So I'm going to cover those, hopefully in a summary fashion. And hopefully it'll be helpful. And I actually, toward the end, I have some pictures from our brother Hal that, that over the years have been around Holly Hills. They're familiar to some, and hopefully they'll be helpful to all. So, all right. So let me just, uh, notebook turned here. Okay, so we're going to start off here, kind of, just kind of backtrack for a second and just look at I did this earlier a couple of weeks ago. You know, God's plan of salvation is past, present, and future. But for the believer right now, in his life, he comes to faith in Christ as his Savior. And then the rest of his Christian life is what we call his Christian walk by faith. So I wanted to kind of put down the contrast between those two. So as you look at the bottom, you'll notice it's from the, the three M's. <laughs> Macaulay, Merriman, and Malloy. It's interesting how their names worked out that way. So it's pretty cool. And I benefited from both of them. Actually, I, a few of these are mine, too, in, the, in these uh, statements. But, and some of Mike, too. So I can't, you know, we all, we all influence one another. So let's start off. <clears throat> so a person comes to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So first, <clears throat> we're, and he realizes that he's been saved from the penalty of sin. And then he realizes that Christ died for him. He realizes that Christ is his substitute and that Christ is his propitiation or his satisfaction for his sins. And notice the focus when we first come to our Savior is on our sins. And that's, a, that's by God's design. It's on our sins. The focus is on that Christ was God's uh, satisfaction for sins. And Christ's payment for sins is the issue. And it's an event, right? You, you come to faith at a point in time, and it's actually retroactive. You realize that you've been chosen for the foundation of the world, so there's all those wonderful things. But to you, it's an event in time, and it was an event on the cross, certainly. And God did it for me. You didn't do it yourself. You didn't work up. You didn't show God how great you were. And he said, well, good job. I'll give you salvation. That, it doesn't work that way. It's all of Christ and nothing of you. Faith is all that you offer. And that's called justification. And we studied that earlier, several months in the past. In Romans 4, it talks about uh, be, we, our faith was reckoned to us as righteousness. But now we come to the... So once, once that has happened, you become a believer. Now you're walking by faith in Christ. And what does that look like? And what it looks like is what's described in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. 
But it's interesting, you don't, in most of the churches, people, for whatever reason, they don't cover that. It's just not covered. It's sort of like I'm saved, and now I go to heaven at some point, and in between, you pray a lot, and you're guilty a lot, and that's just kind of what it's about. But, but God's Word has this incredible instruction in this area. So let's start off. In the Christian life, you're being saved from the power of sin, from the sin nature. And you realize that I've died with Christ. As Mike pointed out last week, what we're going to see died or dead so many times in those ten verses. I'm separated from my sin nature, my Adamic nature. Christ is my life. It's a process. You're in this process of growing in grace and the knowledge of Him. God is now dealing with the sin nature. Before, he was, he, your, the focus was on your sins, plural. Now he's dealing with, and unfortunately the translations translated just sin. Sometimes they'll put the definite article in there, sometimes they won't. The only translation that I know of that puts in sin nature or sinful nature is the Weiss translation, which isn't a real popular one. You have to order, you can get it online. Um, and it's very beneficial. Um, anyway, that's, I'm not trying to sell it, but anyway. But it, it will show you the word sin nature. But it's there. And this is called sanctification. And we see this, we'll, we see it today, and we'll see it next week in, in Romans chapter 6 and, and verse 11. Just marvelous, counting upon what Christ has done for you. Alright, so let's, uh, so here's, a, here's the 2 through 10. So I, you know, Mike went through and he highlighted all the ones about death. Well, I took a different tact. <laughs> I wanted to highlight. So if we're talking, if this is to tell us about our sin nature, I highlighted those. Every place it says the sin, I put the sin in there, I put the the in there. So it's about five times possibly through the verses. But the other part that kind of struck me was, this is a very personal account because it talks about, Paul includes himself. He says, we, all of us, um, and the like are all he says we have something or something happened we died with uh, we died to the sin nature uh, we have been buried with him uh, we have become united with him so we are you know every believer is in this text what has happened to him is in this text and that's that's really important to see yourself I was thinking you know God paid for our sins he had every one of our sins on the cross with him in a sense. But it's even more personal than that. He has us on the cross with him. And our brother Vern used to say, the cross is a crowded place. Our Savior had us personally with him on the cross for the purpose of to separate us from our sin nature, from Adam's nature. And it just, it just struck me, if that isn't accomplished, we, can't have fel- we could never have fellowship with him. If that separation wasn't made, from our sin nature, we could never have fellowship with God. And it kind of just struck me, wow, he spends all this time telling us about uh, this separation that's occurred. It's still there, but we're separated from it. Okay. So now the task is, your handout has, I listed the 18 different uh, statements. So now I want to go through those verses, those 2 through 10 verses, and I want to look at it kind of hopefully, kind of a combination of it's not really a sentence diagram, but it's kind of a, you know, a, a version a little bit up from that, and maybe just trying to grab the, the statements one after another. I've done it before, 
Hopefully it's helpful. So, well, before that, <laughs> hold that thought. Let's, let's look at some definitions here. Uh, baptism. Key part in this, um, in this uh, text. You know, some will take this as water baptism. Boy, I, you gotta do, <laughs> and actually I was reading somebody doing that. You gotta do some hijinks here because if you look at it, it's, it's the idea to be immersed or to dip and we're placed into Christ. And by the verb tense, we're placed into Christ and never taken out. I think I've shared with you, I did, I've done baptismal services and I said, well, if we really did this right, we put the person in, never take him out. That would be it. Because that's the picture. That's what's happened. We've been baptized into Christ and never taken out of him. It's a permanent relationship. We become identified with him. So that's baptism in Romans 6. The term old self, which I don't like, old man is much superior because it's actually anthropos. All that we were in Adam, and this is from Mike here from last week, totally depraved, lacking of the life of God. Pretty, not a pretty picture. Totally depraved, lacking from the life of God. That, that's what God had to separate us from. If he didn't take care of that, we could never have fellowship with him. The sin, well, you see it just sin sometimes, singular. It's the sin nature, it's Adam's fallen nature. Crucified, it's actually literally to be put to death. And then done away with, or if you have the King James, which I... Um, I could never understand, might be destroyed. It's not annihilation. The sin nature was not annihilated. It was rendered inoperative or taken offline or taken out of commission. That's, that's what that word is talking about. And then lastly, the body of sin is that all that the sin nature stands for, and our brother Hal called it the corpse, the corpse of sin. Pretty, uh, pretty graphic. So there are definitions that we're gonna, they're gonna, we're going to see these words are going to show up in the text as we go through it. Okay, so now to the... Okay, so the plan here is to go through each of these verses and to show you in um, sort of diagram form uh, the statements that are true about us and about Christ. Let's start off. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So here's talking about singular sin. How will we who died to the sin nature still live in it? And you could say we were cut loose. And the question is, how do we how how do we picture this? How are we we're cut loose from our sin nature, but it's still there. And our brother Hal took a crack at that, and I'll show you that at the last. Um, <clears throat> or do you not know that all of us, all believers, including Paul, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into His death? So there's. And this is, not, as I mentioned, this is not water baptism. So we've been baptized, or I like better, we does a really great job. You've been placed into, you've been immersed into, into Christ. So you're immersed into the person of Christ and his death. Into Christ himself and in his death. And so um, you, we now have this union with Christ, with the person of Christ and his death. Okay, so there's, there's three statements there. We died uh, to the sin nature. We were baptized into the person of Christ and his death. So you have th- if you're counting that's three, we got 15 more to go. This is going to go fast. I'm doing, this hopefully is superior. You know, if you do it the other way, anyway, it's a lot more reading. This is this hopefully is superior. I like it. Though I don't know. <laughs> the, the speaker always likes it, right? He wouldn't do it otherwise. Okay. So here we go. <clears throat> Second, verse four. 
we have been buried with him. And how were we buried? It was through baptizing, through baptism, being placed into his death. So that, with a purpose that, as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too might walk, all the ones in in dark blue there, uh, having been buried, that's all the verbs there, have been buried, was raised, might walk, in this really cool word, in newness of life. Newness of life, just a beautiful, and that's really to walk in our new life in Christ. That's what it's all about. So this, this stair step thing is all to get to the end to get us to walk in newness of life. We could, it couldn't be accomplished without this happening. So Paul's going through each of these verses and explaining why it's critical for this to us to realize what's happened to us. Okay, let's go on here. Okay. So now I want to just, and I just want to expand on newness of life a little bit. Uh, so we see it's God's desire for us to walk in our new life in Christ. Uh, and it, but it's conditioned or based upon our being buried with Him and raised with Him. So verses 5 and 6, which come next, are, are going to give us more detail about how that was accomplished. And you'll notice that this is kind of a repeat. You know, I underline all the we's. So the we have show us what the believer possesses. What he, uh, they're his in Christ. That's what, it, that's a, what the believer has. Okay, so now we're going to five. So what happens in these verses, which is no, no, no great mystery, if you, look, if you look carefully at Scripture, you'll see that many times you'll have a, a capital. The sentence will start, and it will go over several verses. And that's the case here. This sentence starts in verse five, and it actually continues on past this. But it, it goes, they're connectives between each part of the verse and then on to the next verse. So I tried to include those as we go through here. So let's start off. The first part is, for if, and if is what's called a first class condition, it's sense or um, based upon that, we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. So you say to yourself, it sounds awful familiar, and it is, because he just repeated, he restates this idea of being placed into Christ's death, but he uses a different word this time. And there's more information there. You become united with him the likeness of his death. Uh, and then I certainly is the kind of the connective. Uh, uh, we've been united with him. Like, certainly we shall also be, and by implication, you could be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. So, and that's a restatement also. We said the fact that we've been <clears throat> placed in his resurrection. So we've been, we've been placed into his resurrection or united in that and also in his death. So now there's a connective to the rest of the verse. We're going to see that come up here. So we we start with the last part of verse 5, which is this. We shall also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. So now we're going to connect it to the rest of verse 6. Since, that's implied, knowing this, that our old self or old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. You know, just a crucial verse. Verse 6 is just crucial. And the idea, we were put to death. The old, the old man was put to death or crucified with him. In order that, is the idea, with a purpose that, our body of sin, that corpse of sin, if you will, might be done away with, better, 
rendered an idol, taken offline, like if you have a, a stick, you know, if you had a six shift car, which there aren't very many left, you know, you could put it in idle, right? And it wasn't in any gear. And it would do, you know, if you were going 100 miles an hour, it would probably slow down after a while. But, so you're, it's, it's not, you're disengaged. So that's what, that's what it's about. He's disengaged our sin nature. So that, there was a purpose in doing that, we would no longer be slaves to the sin nature. So I have a story here. Um, Ryan and I, uh, I have a confession to make. We watch YouTube a lot. <laughs> we were, we were YouTube. <laughs> and there's, there's some, there's good things, like anything else in this world, there's good things on YouTube and there's bad things on YouTube. It depends on what you, what you look for. So we, we came across this gentleman named, I forgot his last name, Bonnie. Titus Morris. He's a believer. He comes out of the um, um, Amish. He kind of dressed kind of a, a sloppy Amish. <laughs> That's my take on it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Titus. It was Titus. I'm sorry, Titus. <laughs> anyway, he's an interesting guy. He lives on five acres in, in Kentucky. He's a believer. He has a YouTube channel. He doesn't have a whole lot of income. He borrowed money to buy his property from his dad. He lives by himself. Because of YouTube, he has a has some a gal that's staying with his family that may become his wife, I guess, at some point. Anyway, she didn't appear on the YouTube. But anyway, he's, he talks about his Christian life. He gives his testimony. In his testimony, he talks about his struggle with sin. Really interesting. I'm listening. I'm listening. Wow, this is a guy, and he's talking. He's I, he's not well schooled in the scriptures. He knows his scriptures pretty well. He's but he he hasn't apparently read Romans six. But he describes something that happened to him. He's struggling with sin. He has uh, pornography is an issue and other things are an issue in his life. And this guy interviews him and says, you're such a godly man. You have problems with that? Like, how could any godly man ever have a problem now? <laughs> well, we have to look at the news to tell you that. But anyway. So he says, yeah, I'm, and he's a farmer, so to speak. So he says, yeah, I got this, there was this big root that was in the ground. And I, I, every year I go over it and I just chop the top off. And he said, but last year... I went through with my tractor and I got the I got the root out and I pulled the root out and he says, you know, that's what's happened to me in my Christian life. I've got the root of sin out of my life. I thought, hmm. And and he testified that that helped him. He says, I still have problems, but I got the root of sin out. And I said, hmm. He's got the right idea. He's got the right. And he said, the Lord and he gave credit to Christ. The Lord did that in my life. Well, I, God, you got the right idea. You just haven't read the right chapter to tell you the rest of the story. See, in his mind, I got the root of sin out. Well, what this is telling us, right? We've crucified. We, you know, we're no longer slaves to that. And he's talking about being slaves to this his sin nature. He didn't say that word, but so just kind of interesting how you you look at that through the through the lens of scripture. You say, well, man has that. If even believers who aren't schooled, they have the idea of of being freed from from sin. Okay, hopefully that wasn't too much of a diversion. <laughs> anyway, anyway, hopefully that was helpful. Just kind of interesting. Uh, okay, so back to, the, back to the text here. Okay, so now we're going to see that this verse connects with the next verse. So let's go. And so basically, so that we would no longer be freed from the sin nature. Uh, so we would be freed from the sin nature. You know, but wouldn't be slaves to the sin nature, but be freed from it. Okay, so, so now we connect to verse 7. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. So that we no longer serve sin. 
For, there's the connective in verse 7, for he who died is freed from sin. Actually, I was going to tell the story here. I should have told it here, but never mind. <laughs> you know, you get the believer, and this is what's wonderful is, this is what our brother Titus needs to understand. He is permanently freed from that sinful, we are permanently freed from that sin nature. And that's what the Lord wants us to know. We're permanently freed from that sin nature. Yes, we can return to it, but we've been freed from it. We've been permanently freed from our sin nature. That's, that's a wonderful news. Okay, now to verse 9. We believe, notice Paul saying we believe. This is something that, that he believes and we're to believe. We believe that we shall also live with him if or since we have died with him. We will live with him since we've died with him. So important, death is separation, all about separating ourselves from the sin nature. We will live with him since we've died with him. We are eternally secure in him. And this personal nature of us being not only having our sins on the cross, but our, uh, ourselves on the cross with him. Just a beautiful picture. Another connective, knowing that. So we start with the last part of verse 8. Knowing, uh, we believe that we shall also live with him. And, and just for, you know, for sake of understanding, we have a sentence here that starts with now and ends with him. So in there that we have like a main, a main clause, subject and verb, and everything comes off of that clause, and that's what we believe that we shall live with him is. So here's what modifies that. Now the connection. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. Just a marvelous thing. So think about it. We've been united or placed into him, placed into Christ. If this is what has happened to Christ, this is information for us, right? Since we're in union with him, uh, sin no longer now has mastery over Christ, or death no longer has mastery over us. Marvelous news. Marvelous, wonderful news. Then on to verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to the sin... Once for all, the sin nature, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you could say, Christ died to the sin nature for all believers. That summarizes the top line. Christ lives his life to God, the Father. And it actually isn't any, it seems, it seems remarkable, but it's actually not. Think about Christ's own words so many times in the Gospels. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I do nothing else. He said that, I don't know, 20, 30, a lot of times. He made that point over and over again. They are, they are in, you know, the Father and Son are one essence. They're three persons, but they're the same essence. So he, they don't do things outside of one another. They don't think outside one another. And that's actually the picture he has for us. We're not to think outside of who we are in Christ. That's, where, that's who we are. That's what we're about. And that's what, the, that's what he's saying there. And we're going to see a marvelous, next week, we get to verse 11 next week, we're going to see a marvelous connection between verse 10 and verse 11, which we'll see next week. Okay, so now, now for the pictures and uh, Hal's pictures and a few other things. So here's, here's Hal's um, kind of summary of what we just talked about. The believer has been baptized or immersed or placed in union into Christ and never taken out. He also has been baptized, immersed, identified in the work of Christ. 
I was kind of thinking about this. Think about we, we talk about often that the <clears throat> unbeliever is to believe in the person and the work of Christ to be saved, right? Well, it's interesting is that this is the same kind of set of things. We, as a, as a believer, we are to realize that we are, have been united with or placed in union with the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Kind of really cool. It, it exactly kind of transfers over. It changes. I mean, it doesn't change. It does not change. <clears throat> Into his death, when Christ died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised. We have this newness of life, this new and quality life. We have Christ's very life. And that's what Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and so on. Our old man was crucified or put to death. We are now separated from, from him. So, so how to, how to show that? So I, I reused, as, as, uh, as Andrew like, I, I reused one of Hal's pictures. So I had to do some, I didn't have the original PowerPoint. <laughs> so I had to do some hijinks. So I did it by putting pieces of, you know. Anyway, here's my attempt at it. So here we have the believers on one side. Um, and we have the sin when we know that when we come to faith in Christ, He addresses our sins. The sins of the world were placed on Him on the cross. So here's what happened as we realize our baptism identification with Christ. We were co-buried. We looked, that was in verse four. We were co-crucified, and we haven't talked about this, but our sin nature was condemned. We'll see that in, down the road here in Romans eight three. We were co-risen. We're now in this living union with Christ, and we have this. We have Christ's nature, and then eventually we haven't. This is in not in Romans, but other places. And now here's some characteristics of the believer: your Christ is Christ in you, and you in Christ. Your new creation. And then lastly, we're co-seated with Him, with the risen Christ. So here's a pictorial of kind of Romans one uh, six uh, one through ten. Co-buried, co-crucified, co-risen, co-seated. Okay, so that's kind of part one. So part two is um, talking about our sin nature here. An old man. Our old man and body of sin is rendered inoperative, taken offline, put in idle. It's still there. Uh, We are free from our sin nature. We need not be slaves to our sin nature. We are free, free to live, live with Christ moment by moment. So, so how to picture that? So our brother, how many years ago back in, uh, this is back in uh, you know, 2000, actually way before that, maybe 10 years before that, he, he put, when he was teaching Romans 6, he put some pictures together and they become kind of traditions at Holly Hills. So here we are, the first one, the unbeliever. So what Hal has done here is he wants to show that the believer only has his sin nature, his Adamic nature, and he's connected to that. There's a quote the term, if you're an engineer, rather than saying you have a, a switch or something, you have a wire, a hard wire. That probably means nothing to some people, but anyway. You have a connection, a direct connection between who you are, in this case he shows the soul, and the sin nature. So... With that in place, all men sinned in Adam and have a sin nature. 
All men are slaves to their sin nature. So the unregenerate man, the man outside of Christ, this is how he operates. He operates whether good or bad, whether he does good deeds, what he considers good deeds. He operates that way through his sin nature. But the believer, things have changed. The believer now has Christ's life. And he has the ability... So this picture uh, attempts to depict being separated. So he shows this um, this idea of abiding. We're told to abide in Christ. So I can abide in Christ, or I can abide in my sin nature. So you could say, the believers are now separated from their sin nature, and they can abide in Christ or their sin nature. I would just say one little caution with this here, is that, if you attempt to think of this, you think, okay, Roger told me this. I got a sin nature and I got a Christ nature. I'm going to keep tabs. My little, but every time I'll, I'll start marking it off, I'm going to decide where am I at. And I'll, I'll be happy when I'm uh, abiding in Christ and I'll be sad when I'm in my sin nature. Well, you're going to go nuts pretty quick. <laughs> and scripture doesn't want you to do that, right? What does it tell you? It says, Abide with me, walk with me, hang out with me, set your mind on things above. The focus of scripture almost all the time is your focus is on Christ. When you do sin, when you do go over and hang out in your sin nature, abide in your sin nature, what do you do? You go to 1 John 1, 9, right? You confess your sins. Or better, we're going to find out, we're going to find out when we go to Romans uh, 6, 11, we said, Lord... I see that temptation. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. And you don't have to you don't have to go there. You don't have to go down the path. So anyway, that's just some caveats on that. And there's a lot more to be said uh, about abiding in Christ and abiding with the Lord. But that's uh, these these pictures have helped me. Some people may hasn't helped as much, but uh, hopefully they'll be helpful to you. So let's close. We thank you, Father. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings we have in our Savior. Thank you for your marvelous word, and thank you how precise you are, how loving you are to not only pay for our sins, but to take us personally with you to the cross, to take care of our, our nature from Adam, that, had, that we had to be separated from to be in fellowship with you. We ask it in your son's name. Amen.